For many people, I was uh, just thinking about, we call this back to church. It's actually, this Sunday is actually a national back to, it's actually, actually it's across North America, I believe. Uh, churches in Canada and in the U.S. Are, are welcoming people. We call it Back to Church Sunday, and it's sort of this, this national movement across the board. Not every church participates, but, but we do, and it, that's a good thing. And so, uh, but I, I, it got me thinking about Back to Church, and uh, I have like all kinds of crazy videos and ideas, and I had some ideas for songs, but we'll save that for another time. But, but um. No, nah, I won't even go there. But I, like, I I can't give you everything in one Sunday. That's why you got to come back, right? Like, that's why you got to come back. Church is is relentless in that sense that you know, no matter how good of a service we have today, no matter how awesome this sermon is about to be, I got to do another one next week, right? So uh, it's it's how it goes. So I was thinking about back to church and people coming to church and why. Would people get up on a Sunday morning? Like seriously, if you're not a church person and you're here today, you must have wondered at some point in your life, why do people get up on a Sunday morning, one of those rare days that you actually don't have to get up early? Why would you get up early and come to church? Like it it must seem strange uh, for many people and wonder why we do this. Like there's so many things in life that we do for a very obvious reason, a very obvious purpose, right? Like we go to school to get an education, like we go to work to pay our bills, we go to the gym, some of us do, to get in shape, not me, but some people do. Uh, we, we go to the grocery store, right, to buy food. I, we just bought food yesterday. Hey, it's like redemption uh, weekend at Shoppers Drug Mart. If you have points, I'd cash them in this week, just saying. But uh, I cashed in 200,000 points yesterday. It felt very good to walk out with bags of groceries and it cost me nothing. It was a beautiful feeling. I encourage you to participate. But, you know, like we, 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 we go to places, it's obvious, right? But why do we go to church? I was thinking about that this week. Why make the effort? And it is an effort. Some weeks are harder to make it to church than others, especially if you have little kids. We have three, they're not little anymore, but they once were. And, when you ha- and, and we get here early. You know how much of a hassle it is to come to church with little kids? No lying in church. Have you found that to be the case? Yes? Like I said, no lying in church. Well, God bless you, you made it to church. Yeah, thank you for coming. But why do we do it? Why do we do it? I mean, you wake up, if you wake up late, you're in a panic, your kids are giving you a hard time. I mean, why push through and make the effort? Why do it? Why come to church? See, for those of us that attend on a regular basis, that scene is actually not that far from the truth on certain weeks. Why do people rush here to find a good parking spot at the front and then fight for space at the back? Actually, I still don't, I still don't fully understand that one, but... but but it happens all the time. I mean, why do we come to church? I was actually reading a survey uh, recently about why people don't come to church. They asked people who don't go, why don't you go? And the two top answers were, number one was, I'm too busy, and, uh, which is a classic. 
and um, like join the club, seriously. And number two is it's boring, right? I'm too busy and it's boring. And I thought, man, that is an awful, awful reason and an awful thing that people think about church. I, uh, this is an old one that I pulled out of my file. Some of you may have heard this, but on a Sunday morning, Henry Jones woke up to find his wife standing over him. She was shaking him by the shoulder, and she said, you have to get up. We've got to get ready for church. He said, I don't want to go to church. I just want to stay in bed. And she demanded, listen, give me three reasons why you should stay in bed and not get, not get up for church. And he said, okay, first, I don't get anything out of the service. Second, I don't like the people there. And third, nobody there likes me. And she said, and he said, now, can you give me three reasons why I should get out of bed and go to church? And she said, yes. Number one, it will do you some good. Number two, there are people there who like you. And three, you have to go. You're the pastor. That happens to other people, but never to me, I'm sure. Sure. Some people don't like coming to church, and some of us like to come to church. We, some people come for various reasons, not always, not always the best reason, right? Let, let's just be honest. Like, some people come to church because they're trying to like, earn brownie points with God or, or with somebody else, you know, like you like a girl, and she's a church girl, and I got to go with her, you know, and, you know, like, it, it happens, right? Never here, I know, but elsewhere, I'm, I'm told. So, like, some people attend because, like, they're forced to, you know? Like, your wife's making you go, or your parents are making you go, or, you know, somebody, somebody's forcing you. There's pressure on you to go. Some attend because they're just looking for a spouse, Okay, that might not be the worst reason in the world to come to church. But, but, you know, there's good people here. Go to good places, you find good people, right? But there's multiple reasons why people may come. And, but here's the, here's the bottom line. For those of us that enjoy coming, and we do it on a regular basis, we, we do it because we, we actually find it... Now, this is a good place for all of you to say amen. Just prepping you, okay? We, we do it because we find it inspiring. We do it because we find it encouraging. We, we do it because we find it spiritually fulfilling. Thank you for that spontaneity. Thank you. Yeah, but, 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 it's, but it's true. It's true. That's why we do it. We, we found that it actually adds value to our lives. That's why we do it. We, we enjoy it. It's not a burden, it's actually a joy. Sunday is the first day of the week, and we love starting our week together in the presence of God at church. We like it. The Bible says, don't neglect meeting together like some people do. And uh, here's, here's the verse, if you put it up for me, Hebrews uh, 10.25. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That was spoken close to 2,000 years ago. And the day of his return is 2,000 years closer. And we still have people who neglect meeting together. He's saying it's important. Don't, don't stop doing it. It's, it's important. So 
here are kind of three broad reasons why people see value in attending church. And you're going to hear these words uh, in the near future again. But here's the first one. Connect. And you'll see the outline there. Uh, you can follow along in your bulletin. It's all right there. Connect. That church gives us this opportunity to connect to God and to connect with other people. There's a dual connection that comes, and, uh, that comes with attending church. So the Bible's really clear. First, let's connect to God. That's the most important thing, right? He says, don't neglect meeting together like some people do, but encourage each other. Meet together. It's good, right? It, 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 it helps us to connect to God. When we come together, the Bible is very clear. The, he says, I am with you, right? He's always with us, but there's something unique about this corporate setting together, right? When we lift up the name of Jesus, like I said earlier, the word says that he draws us to himself. That's actually what happens. Do you understand? When we lift up his name, when we sing the songs, when we give him thanks, when we just stand there and even read the words and say, thank you, God, for your goodness in my life. Thank you for all of my blessings. Thank you for for, for saving me, for loving me. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. He, you, you just express thanks and gratitude. Stand in his presence. He, he begins to do something in you. When you lift up his name, he draws you closer to himself, which gives you this powerful, powerful truth that people sometimes forget. But God wants to connect to us. He wants that, right? I know for those of you that come to church all the time, you, you, you may get that, but if you, if you don't come to church all the time and you, you're, you don't know much about God or the Bible, understand this. He actually wants a relationship with you. He wants to connect to you. He wants to have this personal connection. There's something unique and special when we come together. We, we experience the presence of God. There is this, what we call this corporate sense of the anointing of Holy Spirit that, that comes into a room. And it's different than when we're alone, right? Amen? It's different. We, we need to meet him alone when you're reading your Bible or driving your car or singing a song and you feel his presence and you, you feel his love and you, you're interacting with him. It's a good thing. It's a needed thing. But there's something unique about doing it together. It's different and special. And the Bible says we shouldn't neglect doing it because there's value in it, right? So there's this, there's this difference than, than doing it alone. We, we believe that when God is welcome among us, good things can happen and actually do happen. And the person, let me just say this, the person that says, I'm a Christian, but they don't go to church, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on that on that corporate connection to God. You, it's, you don't have to go to church all the time to be a Christian. I get that. But if you're a Christian and you want that connection, you, you need that connection. And so coming together gives you another opportunity to connect to God in a corporate way that you don't get on your own. And, and, and it's very important. The Bible says don't neglect doing it. It's important. So we connect to God. We also connect to each other. Like we all have this need to belong. All of us need to belong somewhere. When the church began, 
back in Acts chapter 2, they had this real love. They had this real concern for each other. They knew each other. They interacted with each other. They supported each other. Um, it, it was just really tight. Look at Acts 2.42. This gives you an idea. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So these people were devoted. They were, they were really committed to connect to God through the teaching and through the prayer of the disciples. And they were also, though, connected to each other by spending time with each other, right? And by sharing meals together. There's something cool about eating together, isn't there? Right? It's, it's, it, it brings people together almost like nothing else. It, it's a... It's powerful, and we should use it to get to know people. These people were connected to each other. It's been said, by the way, especially in the 21st century, that we live in a culture, we live in this society of strangers. We, we live close to each other. We're, we live closer physically in proximity to people now than we ever have in the history of the world. And yet we're strangers in a deeper way than we've ever been, meaning we all have our little cubicle backyard where we throw our barbecue. But, you know, Joe next door, we don't really know him. We don't know Sally on the other side. We don't know anybody. We have this cocooning effect that's taking place in our lives. It happens to all of us, right? We're a society. They, they, I was reading this week, they, they're talking about how deep a problem loneliness is actually becoming. That at least 40% of our culture is saying that loneliness is a serious problem in their life. Four out of 10 people say that they're lonely on a regular basis. And I suspect that the other six experience times too. But we are a society of strangers. And so church has to, has to do something about that. We have to connect to God. It's always the top priority, always the top priority. But one of the other benefits that comes is we, we connect to each other, right? Our connection to people is generally so superficial. We have very few really good friends, and we need more. Loneliness is a serious problem, I believe, even in the church. Some of you are even here today, even when I say that word, it's resonating deeply in you, like maybe you're lonely. And, and, and it's true. We relate better, I, I was reading, again, I was reading this article, but the guy was talking about how people today are so lonely and so separated, we're so separated from each other. It's one of the, the ugly, you know, uh, results of social media. We, we, we tweet and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat everything, but we actually don't really talk to people properly anymore. And, and, and so... He was talking about how people nowadays actually relate more to characters on TV than they do to real people in real life. So like you, when you're, you're looking and you're living your life basically through characters on TV, or you relate to, you know, Bob on this certain show. Oh yeah, I'm like Bob on the, like, because this is how people are relating now instead of to each other. And it's becoming a growing, growing issue. People have a need to connect. People have a need to belong. I do, you do, all of us do. And it is important that the church finds a way to do this better. The church is a group of people 
that are united together in Jesus. We are family. That's what the Bible says. Someone said, right? But, and less true, let, let's just be honest, right? If we're being honest, every family on the face of the planet has moments when we don't like each other very much. It's true. It's true. And that may happen here. But listen, when times get tough, families put aside nonsense. And they come together. And there's a strength in that. That's what a good family does. That's what a good church does. See, when God created created Adam at the very beginning, he said, it is not good for him to be alone. We're not meant to be alone. In fact, everything about us is actually wired for connection. We, we, we are just literally are hardwired that way. We do better when we're connected together. Uh, we're stronger. We're better. We're faster. We can accomplish more. There's deeper, deeper satisfaction when connection is made. Put up for me that verse in Ecclesiastes. It says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not, is not easily broken. You get, you get the gist, right? The more we come together, the stronger we get. You know, uh, and unfortunately, the time is upon us when the big giant honking V's will be flying over our heads. It's a sad time of year, because I know what's coming, and they're smart enough to get the heck out of here. <laughs> right? But, you know, just get it, right? They fly in a V formation for a reason. It's not, it's not haphazard, right? They're, they're smarter than us, I think, sometimes, right? They know that when you fly in a V formation, studies will tell you that they can, they, they're, they're about 71% stronger flying together in a V formation than they are alone, right? And that they take turns moving from the front to the back, and you can, I, I'll sort, spare you all the details, but there's a, there's a reason they do it, right? They can fly longer, and they can fly farther when they go together. That's the whole point I'm making. And the truth is, it's the same for us, right? We have to have that connection in our lives. Come. We have small groups. We have programs. We have people that care. We need to be people of hospitality. Do a better job, church, of inviting somebody over to your house. Speaking to me, too. We, we need to do it more, not less. Share a meal with somebody. Do something. Find a way to connect. There are good people here that you would be, you would be strengthened to know. There, there are great people here that you just simply don't know because you sit way over here, somebody sits way over here, but I just want you to know the people over here, they're not bad. And I just want you to know they're pretty good too, right? Like, we need to find a way to do this better. And it's important. So, why is church important and why do people find value in coming? Well, the first reason is we connect to God here. Church helps us to do that. It also helps us to connect to each other, and that's a deep need in all of our lives. Second is grow. It's now raining. Listen, I should just preach longer until it stops, eh? <laughs> we got nowhere to go. Yeah, 
Okay. You know, in the old church, every time it rained, I got worried. I was looking for leaks. Now when it rains here, you know what honestly runs through my mind? Thank the good Lord for a metal roof. Seriously, I just had that. Just, uh, anyway, that's, I just took a left turn there. But grow. Second one is grow. The early church was committed to grow. They were committed to listening and to applying the teaching that they were getting from the disciples. And so one of the points and one of the values in coming to church is listening and studying the Bible. You learn things when you're here, hopefully. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. It's not just about, we don't just come to attain knowledge, to hear somebody give us uh, facts about ancient Jewish history, right? And walk out feeling like we're, we're wonderful. No, we, we actually come here to grow, meaning to change, right? Coming, listening, studying the Bible, listening to sermons, singing the songs, doing everything we do. It's not just for knowledge. The deeper point is we actually do it to change. We do it to grow. We do it to experience transformation in our lives. For the areas that are weak, we want them to get stronger. For, for times when we need, you know, just a kick in the pants, it gives us that kick in the pants to say, deal with that issue in your life. Deal with that, that relationship that needs to be fixed. It, it, this is what it does. It, it helps us to grow. It changes us. It transforms us, right? The Bible says we're new creations in Christ, that when we meet him, when we follow him, when we have this relationship with him, there's this transformation that occurs. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, and I won't get into it again, but there's this transformation that occurs, but it is still occurring in us. Not that you're not good people, but I'm pretty sure you're not perfect. Just say yes. It's okay. I'm not either. People can account for that. My wife would tell you. My boys would really tell you. Yeah. Your children always see every flaw in your life. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I got, I, I'm not going there, but there's, there's a lot of stories there. But anyway, it, 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 it helps us to grow. This is what spending time together in church in the presence of Almighty God he challenges us to grow. He encourages us to grow. He convicts us of our sin and our weakness. He, he, he is so for us that he, he can't bear to let us stay the same. He loves us too much and he wants to make us better. And so when we spend time in his presence, he's going to encourage change and transformation in our lives. He's going to encourage growth in us. Look at 1 Corinthians 8.1. It says, now regarding your question about food that's been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge, quote unquote, about this issue. But here's the point. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it's love that actually strengthens the church, right? This is the great change that needs to happen in us. Love is the great change that needs to happen in us. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 is a famous uh, uh, little verse, a uh, few verses of Scripture. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, knowledge, 
And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. The point is so clear. Love is the great change that needs to happen in us. We need to grow in our ability to love and to care for people. We need to live lives that are connected. How can we love people if we don't know people, right? Like really, it's easy to say, I love the world, you know, and then get to know Joe and Joe drives you nuts, you know? Like, but if we're truly to love people, right, really to make an impact, to, tr to see transformation happen, we have to grow in our ability to care, right, and love. So as we come together to connect with each other and with God, we have this opportunity to grow and to change. And, you know, when you read the, when you read the Bible properly, when you read God's Word correctly, it has the power to shape our character. It has actually the ability to challenge us in the areas in our life that need to be changed. Just read it. Right? Like I, like I say, don't wait for the movie. Read the book. Just read the book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just start there. Read about the life of Jesus. Read his words. Read what he thinks about different topics and how he deals with people. And you'll begin to be challenged personally about your own life. Jesus is our great example. He is the one that we strive to be like. He, he's the Savior. He's the, the, the great example. He's the one that did everything for us. He paid the price we couldn't pay. He, he, he covered that debt. He built the bridge back to God. He gave his life because why? Because he loved the world so much, right? We can say we love, but love is proven in action, correct? And so God says, God so loved the world that he did what? What did he do about it? Well, he gave his son, right? And if you believe and receive you will, you will inherit eternal life. That's what he says, right? He proved his love. He's not this distant God who said, I love the world. No, he said, I love the world, and I'll show you how much I do. Despite its wickedness, its nastiness, the rejection, the pain, the suffering, the price I'm going to have to pay, I'm going to do it anyway because my love is that strong. That's real love. Are you challenged to love like that? Who loves like that? This is why we need to grow in our ability to love. So coming to church helps us to do that. You know, and here's the other thing. You don't have to have it all together before coming to church. Just say yes. Like, you, you don't have to have it all together. Sometimes I invite somebody to church and I had one guy say, oh, I can't come to church because, like, if I ever walked in the doors, I think God would strike me dead. And he was only half joking, right? There's a guy who looks at his own life and sees, sees the lack, right? And I said, you know, you've got it all wrong, man. you got it all wrong. I said, you don't have to get it all together. You don't even have to get it semi-together to come to church. Actually, coming to church will... Hope you get it together. Someone said yes, right? This is why we come. It gives us an opportunity to grow. Regular church people, regular attenders are not perfect, 
but we are in the process of growing. We are in the process of changing. See, some make the excuse, and you might be here today, I don't know, but some make the excuse that has been said to me, you know, I don't come to church because church is filled with hypocrites. I know what they really do on Friday night. And then I say this to people. Do your actions always perfectly match your words? Seriously. Just think about that. Like, I want to lose weight, but I go home and eat chips. But seriously. I, I walk around and go, yeah, I need to lose uh, whatever, 10 pounds. Yeah, I need to lose 10 pounds. And I go home and I eat a bowl of ice cream and have a bag of chips before I go to bed. Am I a little bit of a hypocrite or is my words lining up exactly with my actions? Like, like it, it, it doesn't happen, right? Um, <laughs> at church, it, it, let me just say this. This is what I actually was thinking. At some level, I actually believe every single person is a hypocrite. Seriously. I actually believe that, me included. At some level, we're all hypocrites, Right? At church, there's always room for one more. So just come. <laughs> just come. Seriously, just come. Yeah. It helps you get it together. You know? Uh, like, and, and here's the other thing I say to people, and, and, uh, and I mean this seriously. We can't let people throw us off. Right? We can't let people throw us off. So ultimately, I'm responsible for myself, right? And for my family and those I influence. That, that, like, I have to keep my focus on Jesus. I have to keep my focus on the changes that I need to make personally so that I can be less of a hypocrite and have a bigger impact for the kingdom of God, right? And so what other people do is up to them. So if Bob and, you know, in the... You know, in this corner, I don't want to look because I don't want to see. Maybe there's a guy, Bob, name over there, but, uh, you know, sorry, Bob. But, you know, if, uh, you know, somebody over there is a hypocrite and I, I saw them, you know, doing something deadly evil on a Friday night, like, okay, well, maybe I just need to pray for him. Maybe I just need to get my own stuff together, you know? Like, I can't use him or her or this incident or this thing as an excuse to say, oh, well, I can't come to church because there's, like, hypocrites there. Like I said, just uh, we're all hypocrites, join the club, and there's always room for one more. So I think, I think it's, a, it's a lame excuse, and ultimately we have to be responsible for ourselves. I come to church, and I need to focus on hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to me. And so I encourage you to do the same. He gives us chances to grow. You've, you're having a chance to grow right now. Right now, even this morning, as we spend time in his presence. I would also say this. If, you, if you're struggling to come to church, if you're struggling you know, with people that are being a negative influence or a bad example to you, I just want to say this. And this is true not just of this church, but of virtually every church across the world. There's a lot of good people here. Not perfect people, good people. You understand? So find them, connect with them, find somebody who can encourage you and not discourage you, right? This is the point. 
So the right approach to attending church is not just to come to gain knowledge, but, but to actually apply what you're hearing. Apply what the Holy Spirit is whispering to your mind and let it change you, transform you. Let it grow you into a better person. James said this in James 1.22. He said, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. See, this is what we talked about, was it last week, when it said, Lord, Lord, but I, I, I prophesied in your name, right? I did miracles in your name. I did wonderful things in your name. And Jesus said, I, I never knew you. You're fooling yourself if you think, you know, you can have a relationship with God by coming to church. There's, there's more to it than that. But church helps us to make that real connection. Church helps us to give us an opportunity to grow. And it's our responsibility to take advantage of the opportunity, right? You have it every single week. So when you come to church and you hear the word being preached, it, it teaches you what it really means to follow Jesus. And hopefully it inspires you. Hopefully it equips you. Hopefully it, it, it just it does something in you to, to spur you on to make the necessary changes that you need to make in your life. See, a preacher once time said, he said, the word of, or the spirit of God uses the word of God to make you more like the son of God, right? You could write that down. That's a good one. I, I can't take credit for it, but, I, I, but the spirit of God uses the word of God to make you more like the son of God. And that's what happens as we spend time together in church. Church helps us to grow because it just, simply points us to Jesus, right? That's the truth. So lastly, and I'll wrap up quick, and I see the food trucks are parked right under the canopy. They're waving at me out there. But I'm having church, and I'm just going to take my sweet time until I'm finished. You okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. When, last one is served. When the church started, everybody in Acts 2, everybody was working, everybody was serving, everybody was connected, everybody was helping each other, everybody was even giving money and selling property. They were making sure nobody was without. They were, they were really, really doing a great job. And the church, you know, at its best in an ideal situation, it actually does encourage us to serve. And the church actually gives us serving opportunities. It encourages us to serve, and it gives us serving opportunities, meaning like programs, small groups, kids, youth, missions trips that, uh, that we'll be talking about in a few weeks. We have all these opportunities to do things. The church exists to serve. That's our purpose. That's, that's one of the callings that's on our lives, that as followers of Jesus, we should be making a contribution to the kingdom of God by serving with the gifts and the abilities that the Lord has blessed us with. He didn't give you that ability to just waste. He didn't give that ability just for, your, for you. He's given you an ability, all of us, multiple abilities, to use to impact somebody else for the gospel and for the kingdom. That's the point, right? We are not here just to, to take up space. We're not here to just make money to party and die. What a meaningless, empty way to live, right? There, there is a higher purpose. We're created for a higher purpose. Mark 
chapter 10. Put that up for me. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, that's who he's referring to, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So even the Son of Man came to serve. So everybody longs for this deeper purpose. Everybody longs for this sense of wanting to matter. Everybody has that. Everybody has that. You, you want your life to count for something. You want somebody to know that you matter. Somebody to see and value you in that sense, right? And you find this deeper purpose. You find this deeper satisfaction when you serve and when you begin to impact the lives of other people. God wants us to give back. And there's something so satisfying when you know that you've made a difference. It's true. Anyone seen that show? I've talked about it before, but anyone seen that show, The Secret Millionaire on TV, right? And some rich person, it may be a man or a lady, they make this commitment to go live in this poor area of town, wherever it might be across North America, and they make this commitment to go help in a shelter or serve at a food bank or, or connect with people in the community in need. And then at the end of the show, they write a check to help the organizations that they connected to in their, during their time. Now, and all the people don't know that they're a millionaire. They don't know they actually have money. They just think it's, you know, Frank who's just come up to, to help serve soup in the soup kitchen, you know. And then at the end of the week, you know, Frank walks up and goes, hey, I just want you guys to know I'm actually a, a gazillionaire and uh, I want to write you a check. And he writes people a check, 10000 20000 50000 whatever it is. And he hands it to people. Have a box of Kleenex ready. Has anyone seen the show? Seriously. It is unbelievably powerful. It is, it is unbelievably powerful because people weep not only in receiving the gift, but the millionaire, the person who has the money, is unbelievably deeply affected by giving it, by making an impact, by sharing, by serving, right? There's something in us that is wired for that. There is something in us that when we serve, when we give, when we, when we make a difference in the life of somebody else, there's something that resonates deep in our core that this is right. This is, the, this is how I should be living. This is, this is what I should be doing. And so there's something that resonates very powerfully in us about serving. And when you do it, you'll find it so satisfying. And uh, let me just say this. Uh, as we close today. Sometimes the most terrible things that can happen to you in life can be used to help somebody else. Sometimes the most horrible thing, something that you have struggled with and deeply, deeply hurt you almost and, and deeply has hurt you, once you're through it, once there's recovery and some healing and perspective, that experience can be used to serve somebody else. You know that's true, right? Right? Like, like somebody who's gone through a painful divorce, 
can help somebody who's going through one now. Somebody who's experienced the death of a loved one understands the pain and the angst of somebody who's going through it now, right? You, you, you get it. Somebody, I mean, why, why do they create AA? Because people who have, who, have, who have victory over alcohol want to be able to serve and help those who are still struggling, right? There's something very, very real about God being able to use our, our, our tough things. This is when the word says, you know, he makes all things for our good. Not all things are good, but he makes all things for our good. Like, he's able to take the bad and make it good. He's able to take your pain and he's able to use it to, do some, to give some hope and healing to somebody who needs it. You know, um, years ago, it's... It's, I, let me just share this and then I'll, then I'll quit. It's still raining. We're good. But uh, over, it's now just over 20 years ago. Uh, I, had, uh, I had a really horrible car accident. And uh, I nearly died. And the man that, that hit me, he died on the scene. And uh, it was a horrible, horrible situation. Uh, there was lawsuits flying around. There was there was all kinds of things. Uh, my I was physically. It was in the day before every car had an airbag. I had my seatbelt on, but my face smashed against the steering wheel. So uh, my nose my nose got ripped off. And uh, I, we're going to eat, so I don't get too graphic here. But um, but you come. I see this little tiny scar right here on the end of my nose. Uh, Come up real close and you can see it. But anyway, not now, later, you know. But, but this is where my nose got sewed back on. But it was a, a, just a, a horrible, horrible, horrible experience on so many different levels. If you didn't know, I have, uh, this is my new face. My whole face got uh, taken off and reconstructed. I have uh, plates. I have four metal plates, about 16 metal screws in my face. I have a divot in my head where they took bone from my skull and they used it to remake my nose. This is, this is my second face. Pretty good. And I say to people, I'm as pretty as I ever was. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can joke about it now. But let me tell you, there was some dark days. There was some awful dark days. Why was a question I asked 10,000 times. Why? What did I do to deserve this? What, what's the point of this? Why is this happening to me? You know, and, and anyway, I haven't shared that story for a long time. Maybe I should just one Sunday give you that whole story one day. It'll probably take 20 minutes. I don't want to do it now. But, but the point is this. What I thought was horrible what I knew was horrible, and it was, and it was legitimately a horrible, terrible time. But once I, I, I got through it, something happened in me. Something changed. I was better for it. And I know that sounds nuts, but it's true. I, I, I can walk into a hospital now. I'm reliving it <laughs> 20 years later. I can walk into a hospital now, and I have 
such a deeper perspective. I have deeper compassion. I have deeper understanding. I understand the pain, the frustration. I, it changed me. Something, something happened. And I remember through it all, one of the great experiences that one day I was laying in the hospital bed and the Holy Spirit woke me up one night and said, listen, you're a child of God. You belong to me. You, 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 you don't, you know, I own you, is what he said. I bought you with a price. And I can bring things into your life because you're mine. But you have a choice to make. You can let this thing, you can let this whole experience, there's only two ways this is going to go. It's going to make you better or it's going to make you bitter. And you have a choice to make. And I remember that night. It's a, this is the truth. This is absolutely the truth. I remember that night laying in bed, tears rolling down my brand new face, saying, I choose better. Whatever you need to do through this, I want you to do it. I want you to help me to overcome my darkness, my pain, my depression, my, my, my questions of why, my worry, my fear. I want you to make me better. And I made a choice that day, and I want, I want you to know that from that day on, a cloud lifted off my life. There was a change that happened. Something deep began to occur in me. I began to grow like I've never grown before. I began to love like I've never loved before. I, I just became a better person. I'm not here to say I'm wonderful. I'm not. I got lots of room to grow. But I'm just saying that, in, in, for me, was one of those sort of TSN turning points, you know, that my life, my life was better once I went through that experience. And, and so I just say this to you. Sometimes we go through pain. And when a, a preacher gets up and says, oh, you can serve, use your abilities, make a difference, and then people sit there and go, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what pain I've, I've faced. You have no idea how, how could I ever help somebody when I'm struggling so much myself. I want you to know that, yes, I do understand, first. And second, there are many other people in this room that do. But most of all, God does. And he has this wonderful ability, right? to make good out of bad, right? It's what he does. He's in the business of changing people for the better. If you choose better, you'll get better. If you choose to let that bitter root grow down deep into your soul, then you'll get bitter and you'll stay that way until you decide not to be anymore. There's a choice that needs to be made in our lives. And I'm here to say you can serve. You can make a difference. You do have abilities, stories, experiences, pain, difficulty that you can share with others that will help somebody in such a time as this. For the moment that they need it, you may be the person that they connect to the most. Your story just flows perfectly with theirs and say, let's go out for a coffee, come over for a meal, let me tell you what happened to me. And you encourage somebody through your story. When I got up and I started, uh, and, I, and I, uh, I, I was, I, you know, once I healed and I started, uh, you know, going about my business again, I was a youth pastor at the time. 
I got asked to speak all over the place, camps, conferences, churches, all over the place sharing my story. You would not believe how many people would come up to me after, weeping, broken. I, it changed me so much. I shared my story, and people would come up and say, I, you know, uh, one guy I remember came up and his face was deformed. You could tell something had happened, and he said, the very same thing happened to me. The very same thing. A deer came through my windshield and took me, took me right out at the face. You know? And we shared our experiences and we prayed together and we, we talked with each other. And I'll tell you, healing occurred in me and healing occurred in him. As we shared together, I served him that day. But really, he served me too. And so I'm saying to you folks, Stop with the excuses that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you haven't gone through anything. If you've lived life for any length of time, you've had stuff. You've had stuff. It always happens to us and always will. And I'm telling you, you can use it for the kingdom of God. You can use it for his glory. This, the, the church is not something that you attend the church is actually something you are, right? This is just a building that facilitates us coming together. But we are the church. I am a part of the church. You are the church. The church is his body. It's not bricks. It's not panels. It's not speakers or microphones. It's people. God so loved the world that he died to save people. When the world ends, all God cares about is people. All this stuff will burn. All this stuff will be trash. All he wants to do is impact lives. And we are called to carry out the mission of God, to care for people more than we care about stuff, to find a way to connect to God, to get our stuff right, to make the connections with people, to continually grow and become better so that he points his finger so that we can fix stuff that needs to be fixed. Why? Not just for our own benefit, so that we can serve others and make a difference in the life of somebody else. Everything you've been through, every talent, every ability, everything that you know is on purpose. Your life is not random. And yes, you've made mistakes. Join the club. But let the good Lord Jesus redeem those by making a difference in somebody else's life. You can do it. People have done it. People will continue to do it. So get on the serve train and make a difference in somebody's life. This is the church. And listen, so... Uh, it, it, it's not something you attend, it's something we are. Jesus lives, he dies, so that we can have a personal relationship with him. We're, we're loved, we're wanted by a God. We matter to the one that matters the most. And if you open up your heart, if you open up your mind, he can do wonderful things in you. He can do wonderful things through you with the anointing of his spirit. This is why people make the effort to get out of bed, to get clothes on their kids, shoes on their feet, at least most Sundays, right? And get here because we're giving God an opportunity to do something in us so that he can do something through us. We connect, 
we grow, and we serve. And that's why we're here. That's why we exist. It's why the doors are open every week. It's, it's truly what we're called to do and who we're called to be. Come on. Amen? Amen. Come on. Let's just bow together. Ben, come on back for a second. And we're going to get ready and we'll, we'll head out for lunch. Just in this moment, if, just for privacy, if you don't mind, just to close your eyes and just uh, take a moment. Will you first, personally? I really think it's important that we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes, sometimes we, we pretend so much that we, we even fail to be honest with ourselves. But I just want you to take just one moment. Would you look inside today, honestly? Ask the Holy Spirit, what are some things in your life that need to change? Why do you come to church? What's the real reason? Have you forgotten the real reason? Have you come with ulterior motives sometimes? Today, the word reminds us that we are called to connect, to grow, and to serve. Would you just take a moment and ask, just ask the Lord to help you do that? Make right whatever needs to be made right. There is a calling on your life, child of God. Don't just think it's for people who stand on a platform. That's not true at all. My calling is to help teach and to encourage you and to point you in the way that you need to walk. That's my calling. And I work hard at it and try to do my best. I'm not perfect, but I want you to know that you have a calling too that is just as real, that is just as powerful, that God wants to use you just as much as he could ever use me or anybody else. The Bible is so clear that we are all ministers of the gospel. We are all called to do the work of an evangelist. We carry the light of the Holy Spirit. We carry the strength of God, the knowledge and the grace of his spirit. You're a difference maker. You can be. You can be. So, Father, just as we close today, Holy Spirit, I, I know you're here. I feel you. Move in amongst our rows today. Touch each life. Would you help us, Lord, to see the importance of serving you? Help us to see the importance of growing in you. Even if we've walked with you for many, many years, there is still areas of growth that can happen in our lives. Lord, help us to see the importance of connecting with you and with each other. It is who we are as the body of Christ. And these three things are so basic in a way, but yet so profoundly powerful if we do them right. So I'm asking you to help us, Lord, do this right. 
do what needs to be done so that we can get this right and keep us on the right path and keep us humble and moving in the right direction. Lord, save us from our fear and from our pride and from our arrogance that stops us from moving forward and admitting when we need, when we need work. Pride is such a God blocker, but humility welcomes the Holy Spirit. Welcome him into your life today. Welcome him into your life. If you're here today, and maybe you are new, you've never been to church, or you haven't been to church in a long time, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming back to church. I just want to say just one word before we dismiss today. There is a real God who really, truly loves you. He sent his son. His name was Jesus. He lived this perfect life, set this perfect example for us to follow, said that he loved us and went to the cross and paid the price. God needed a perfect sacrifice to pay the price for sin to be forgiven. And there was only one perfect sacrifice, and his name was Jesus. And so he came to be that perfect sacrifice, to give you an opportunity to know him, to experience a relationship with God. Not, not, not some religious thing, but a real thing, a real relationship, a real connection. That's what he wants. He wants a connection with you. And the only question is, do you want a connection with him? He gives us the opportunity to choose. We have free will to decide. But he's already chosen you. That his will is that none, says the word says that none would perish, that none would live life without, without knowing him and, and being in relationship with him. And so if that's you today, I just want to encourage you would you come to church again? Talk to the, maybe the person that brought you here, the friend or family member that you came with. Make a connection with a good person and begin to explore this journey towards knowing and finding Jesus. He is real. And the word is clear that if you seek him, you will find him. That's what he says. And so the choice is yours to make today. And so I'm asking you to seriously consider and contemplate finding that relationship and being, uh, just being that person that's open and receptive to the reality of God in your life. If that's you today, just, uh, just with no one looking, just so we're private, I... I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out in any way. But if, if you're here today and you say, you know, I've never really had a relationship with God, not like you're talking about. I don't understand it, don't really get it, but I'm interested. I, I, I want that. I want something new and fresh. I feel the need in my life for change. If that's you today, would you just put up your hands so that I can see that? And I, I just want to pray for you today. Thank you. Anybody else? 
Thank you. Yeah. Let's stand together as we close. Thank you, Lord. Child of God, just say thank you to him for a moment, will you? He loves you. He saved you. You have a great home in heaven, an abundant joy now while we walk this earth with the confidence and the hope of the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He is for you. Thank you, Lord, for all you are. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for each person that's in this room today. Lord, thank you for those that have walked with you and have been in relationship with you for many years. Some of us for a long time. And yet, Lord, even as we walk year after year after year, this relationship still gets sweeter. Amen, church? It still gets sweeter. It still gets deeper. The connection that we have. And we thank you for it. For those, Lord, that are just starting a connection today, I ask you, to be real to them, to reveal yourself to them, and to help them to open up their mind and their heart to receive you. It just begins simply like this. And you, you can just repeat these words after me, church. It just starts by this. Dear Jesus, I recognize my need of you. I welcome you into my life. Change me. Save me. Forgive me. Help me. I welcome you into my life. I want to know you. I want to grow in you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. It just starts with an opening. Just starts with an opening. Just give him an opening. You've got nothing to lose and something wonderful to gain. So thank you, Father. Bless us. Bless these people today. May we be men and women who make a difference, who connect and grow and serve in deeper ways. Bless this church. Bless our lunch. And bless, Lord, our fellowship and our time of fun together as we eat. Thank you, Father. We bless you. You are the greatest. You are the one. You are the only one. And so we worship you and worship you alone.